Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Listen, for someone, someone we're not supposed to fuck, there's a lot of love songs about them. There's a lot of love songs about him, and they will not show us any versions of him that are ugly. He is always hot, always has abs. He's he's a yeah. sex symbol that we can't have sex with. And men, and men and women praise him and sing love songs to him, but they mad about same-sex unions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd smash like Jesus, <laughs> but I don't, want, I don't want all these men smashing each other. That's Me and Jesus' relationship is different. <laughs> Yep, yep, there it is, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another phenomenal episode of My Mama Told Me, the podcast where we dive deep, deep into the pockets of black conspiracy theories and we finally work to prove that the X in Little Nas X stands for xylophone. That's right, this motherfucker is upsetting people left and right. Not only is he putting queer images in front of our our innocent 38-year-old black men, but more importantly, he's coming up with silly billy-ass names like xylophone. This guy's a problem. He's a real problem. Boosie's right. Everybody else is wrong. It's all clear to me. I'm your host, Langston Kerman. I'm coming in hot, as always. And and you know who's who's not coming in hot? Who always plays it cool? Never once have I seen her come in hot, and in a good way. She comes in the right temperature every time I see her. She's hilarious, an amazing comedian, an author. You know her from her book, Fuck Your Diet. A hilarious, hilarious person, and I'm so happy she's here. Give it up for my guest, Miss Chloe Hilliard. Yeah, <laughs> I, own, I make my own sound effects. <laughs> Hell yeah! You know the the people in the background ain't good enough. You got to throw in a little extra right at the right at the end. How are we? What's up? I am great. Thanks for having me. It's gonna be so much fun. Yeah, it's gonna be a great time. You you came today with a conspiracy theory. I mentioned this to you already. One that I have desperately been wanting to talk about for the longest time. It's It's a conspiracy theory that I feel like I have heard my entire life, that people have argued about forever, and today we get to finally talk about it. We get to finally do it, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold us any longer. You said, my mama told me. Jesus is black. Absolutely. One thousand (laughs) percent. Yes. (laughs) 
1,000%. You know, can we tell you something? The thing is, this doesn't even have anything to do so much so with religion as it has to do with our parents letting us know, preparing us in a very naive way to let us know that white supremacy is real, but we have to know the truth. Mm. And so it's like, forget what everybody else tells you. This is the truth. We have our own truth. And you can, and out there, you can say you believe it to go along with it, but we know the truth. And so that's how I always took it as well. It's like, you know, white people be lying to us. We know what's up. Whoa. So you're saying, you're saying that, that at its core, this is really more of an allegory for, for sort of the deceptiveness of whiteness and and their their actions more than it is like definitively Jesus had an afro and a, a pick in it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also like, you know, what what they did to Jesus is what white society does to black people. We get mm-hmm. crucified every day. And so it's like so that's why. So that's also why black people rock so hard with Jesus, because we're like he's us. We are him. Like we're walking in the same footsteps to struggle the objectification, the you know, slander, all of that. Like, we're Jesus. That's why Black people love Jesus. Oh, so all of this is just sort of like, it's it's like how uh, how your favorite rapper goes off on some shit, and you're like, well, I ain't never sold drugs, but I know what you're going through, bro. Like, I, mm. I connect with the experience and the challenges that you're facing. Yeah. And it also it also prepares you for getting your ass kicked every day in a white society. <laughs> Literally, because it's like, yo, Jesus went through this and I rock with Jesus. So am I better than Jesus? Like, yeah, I guess I'm going to take this beating every single day because of the color right. of my skin. But, you know, I got Jesus to lean on. I like this. So so let's let's trace this back a little bit because I do, I love what you're saying about this being sort of like a, a motivational thing, an allegorical thing, a thing that that drives us to be better versions of ourselves. I wonder when you first were told that Jesus was black and who was the person that that introduced this idea to you? Yeah, well, I think for me, so my my parents come from two very different religious backgrounds, right? And so my mm-hmm. dad's family didn't really go to church at all. Like my grandmother, I remember my dad's mom smoked cigarettes, you know, drank, go go to Atlantic City, you know, she's gambling, all of that stuff, right? Yeah. And my mom's mom was like saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. So like my mom was like the church girl and my dad was like not like not the street guy, but like the not saved person. You know, like yeah, yeah, he yeah. wasn't like he wasn't like a thug, but he was just like a world a more worldly dude. And so my mom had me in church early. And so I was always, everything was all church all the time. I was to go to church every weekend. Uh, sometimes during the week, my grandmother only played, like I grew up in a Christian black American household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we always talked about the Bible. We always talked about verses. My grandmother can recite every single verse backwards. You know, I was in church a lot and I was in a lot of church plays. And so my earliest realization about Jesus being Black was when we were in the Christmas pageant and we had a Black baby Jesus. And so that was the first conversation I remember having being like, okay, now listen, we know the world is this, but our world, our reality is this. And this is what you need to know. This is the truth. Damn. Okay. So, so you have a black baby Jesus. Presumably, a, a child is acting as black baby mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. And are there white Jesuses in your church? Like, is the imagery also of a black Jesus, or do are there white Jesuses on the wall? You know, but they're like, but we got black baby Jesus. Yeah. So it was like I feel like most black churches that have white Jesuses, it's like that porcelain Jesus that's like mm-hmm. a little pinkish. It's not it's not white, white. So we don't <laughs> we don't even we don't even look at it as white. You you get what I'm saying, right? Sure. Like we see it as like, oh, he got a little bit of a tan. Like it's probably dust right. on that bitch. You know what I'm saying? But we like this is not a white man how we think about white men in modern times, right? No, so, it's like a, a Bear Grylls Jesus. He's like very yes. outdoorsy Jesus. Yes, yes. So it just was a figure. Mm. But then I remember seeing like the first time I saw Black Jesus, because you also got to realize Black Jesus probably sprung out 
in my lifetime. I'm 40 years old. And and that's, I think, when Black people started saying, we can actually say it out loud and we're going to start showing like imagery. So I remember mm-hmm. the first time we got the church fans and it was a black Jesus on the back of the church fans. And everybody was like, yo, you see, we got a black, there's a black Jesus on the back of the fans. <laughs> because for a while, black, black churches were going along with all the white, white Jesus imagery. But there was like a shift. I remember when I was like, oh, okay, we, we take, we really claiming this. Yeah. I, I similarly, it, well, it, not at all. Similarly, I did not grow up in the church, but at some point, in my teens, I actually like went to my mom and was like, hey, I think we should start going to church. I made sort of like a big decision to be like, wow. hey, we got to be a church family because all my niggas talking about it. And I want to know what I, that and is. I, and, I, and I wish I wish you I wish I knew you because I'm like, no, you don't. Trust yeah, right. me. I well, want to be here. <laughs> I did it a few years and learned this was a, a terrible mistake. And I owe everyone terrible. an apology. In this oh, home. my God. <laughs> but that said. Even when we were attending black churches, I do remember distinctly there being almost exclusively white Jesuses on the walls and the pamphlets. All the shit was covered in in the white version of him. Mm-hmm. But I do also remember, and maybe this was just ignorance of youth, right? I ne- There was never a point in me where I was like questioning Jesus in terms of his race. It was more like his moral code, his representation, all that stuff. But it was never like, why is Jesus white? It was just like, I don't know. That's that's who God is, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't know yeah. if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I truly, uh, I'm I'm torn every day. But that's sort of, I guess, there there is an element of, uh, of de-racing Jesus, if that's a word. That, yes, that exactly. That's what church. I meant. That's what I mean. Like, yes, we don't even see him as white. It's just that's Jesus. Yeah. He doesn't even have a race. We don't even think about like, I don't remember ever thinking about Jesus's race until there was a moment where they was like, no, he's black. And I think it, and I think also, honestly, I mean, I don't know. It could have been before my time, but my childhood, I feel like more of the black Jesus talk started happening as the conservative Christians mm. evangelicalism started rising. So like right around like Jimmy Baker, all of those people when he was like, cause you know, I, white people turned out for Jesus, like in a weird way, all of a sudden, like it was, you know, Catholic Protestant and then boom, Christian, Christian evangelical and all of these like mega churches. And then, you know, you got to see black people, talking about our relationship with Jesus. Now you got white people talking about their relationship with Jesus, talking about their struggle, their strife. And now it's like, no, nah, nigga, we, right. we've been struggling and praying into Jesus. How come he your Jesus now? Now you're going to use our Jesus against us? And I think it came like, yo, we need a mascot. And it was like, black Jesus. Black Jesus, yeah. <laughs> like, let's, let's, it's time to raise him up. So I it's, don't know, but it felt, it felt like it was a lot of competing, like, we're the best Christians. No, we're the best, you know, like, it was weird. Yeah. It was, it was weird. It's reminding me of that uh, a few years ago when when uh, Megan Kelly, Megan Kelly, I don't know how you pronounce this mm-hmm. bitch's name, but but when she came out and she was like, uh, Santa Claus is definitively white. And it's yeah. one of those things that that like, again, I had never felt passionately about Santa Claus's race. But now that you're saying he's white, I'll kill you just to make Santa Claus anything other than white. I would rather Santa Claus is Filipino than than accept him as yeah. a Caucasian man because you are speaking to me as if this fictional character is anything other than what we've imagined him to be. Yeah. I mean that's like that's like when uh when it came out with Black Annie and he was like Annie's not black and he was like Annie's not real. How about none that? None of it's real. <laughs> none of it is real. But it's just it's just so crazy how people you know cling to a mascot and I and I know people are like oh she called Jesus a mascot but essentially you know you know yeah. essentially you know they hold on to this this idea of a thing so much because it has to be theirs right the only way. The only way truly salvation works is if you truly believe that you are deserving of salvation. Right. And if everybody believes that they're deserving of salvation, then you have to try and quantify it because it's like, well, that means we're all equal, but we can't be all equal. I got to be better than somebody. And then that's yeah. when people pervert, they pervert the, the thing. 
Well, that's it's one of the things that I've always really uh, respected about the Jehovah Witnesses. You know, they they put a number on that bad boy. They were like, one hundred and forty four thousand of y'all are going to be cool as fuck. And the rest of y'all, good luck. We don't know. But we're going to go yeah. we're going to go door to door to prove our value and make sure that we get that spot in heaven. Yeah, but my thing is, I always took it as if y'all know how many the number is, why are you trying to get more people? You should not want to tell nobody. So therefore, stop knocking (laughs) on my motherfucking door. Go keep your secret, nigga. Damn. Listen, I said I respected a part of what they do. (laughs) A big part of what they do, I find obnoxious and difficult to deal with. But boy, them putting a number on it. That's the part I'm into. It's bold. I mean, you got to really believe if you stick into that number, you got to believe. You have to. And and boy, do they demonstrate. I mean, Prince literally died for his uh, his faith. And Man. it ain't great, but I respect the hell out of it. Yeah. See, the other thing is like that when it comes to the Prince stuff, like any religion that is so closely tied to your physical body, it always throws me off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like when they be like, don't wear, you know, don't get tattoos, don't this. And I want to be like, yo, this is a fucking Tupperware set I'm in right now. Like my, right. my body's going somewhere else. Like y'all treating this shell way too seriously. Like, yeah, way too seriously. Yeah, I'm going to burn this when I'm done with it. I'm literally yeah. going to have a person light it on fire. And, and you know put what's it so crazy? <laughs> and we have proof because people believe this shit before and they are called Egyptians and we got all these fucking mummies left here because them bodies just didn't go nowhere. So No, and they look like shit. They didn't they didn't get better over time. No, no. So that's <laughs> what you want me to leave it behind? No, this is a vessel, baby. Let's rock out. I like that. Let me let me ask you this. Are would you consider yourself a religious person now? You said you grew up in the church. You went through all of it. Are you a person? Are you still a believer? Are you still going to church practicing? Or are you like, nah, I'd serve my nickel. I'm out. Yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am good. You know, I'm good, but I'm also a good person. So that's so. So for me, my moral compass has already been established. So like at my core, I still have very much Christian values and the way in which I engage with people and treat myself, all that stuff like that is not shit, you know, that has not been deterred at all. But what turned me off from religion was realizing that there were people in a pulpit who were preaching who did not have like the education, the credentials, the resume, the credit score to mm-hmm. even be preaching. And then you have people <laughs> funneling money. And so when I started to see like the perversion of it, when I started to see like the business, when, you know, my grandmother, who is like a devout Christian, she's 91. And, you know, she watches those like Christian shows all day. And so mm-hmm. it was around the time it was around the time I was like in high school. I started playing basketball. So basketball got me out of going to church. That was the only thing that got me out of going to oh, church. Oh, smart. Because because my parents were like, oh, well, you know, if she's good, if she gets good, then she can get a scholarship that helps with college. So I was like, yo, basketball, like get and you're me out a tall of church woman. On you yes. you're you're somebody worth believing in as far as like yes. uh, if I got to put my my money on a hooper, I'd go I'd go your route. I know. Yeah, I'm six one. I'm six one. I started playing basketball ninth grade. So that was already late. So I wasn't. So if I had played younger, I would have been a much better player. But I was good enough to get the goal, which was a college scholarship. Yeah. And so that's how I got out of church. So once you get so once you're out of church and you start like seeing all the things, all the things that you used to have to abide by, all of the conversations around certain things based on like, you know, someone else's regurgitations from of of a text. You know, like mm-hmm. once you start like being able to like take some steps back and look at the bigger picture, I'm like yeah, I don't know if this is for me. Like, I get it. Don't kill nobody. Don't rape nobody. Don't steal. Yeah. Like, I, I, I can do that. Like, I'll abide by the Ten Commandments and, like, you know, fucking deuce it up. But all that other stuff <laughs> that, all that, Eddie, like, that all of that remix texting, like, I can't, I can't. Yeah, I, I similarly, the, the thing, and I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but the thing that, that got me out of church and it's it's a very dumb, small thing, but it felt like a very large thing in my world at the time was we I used to I used to go like three times a week. Right. And again, mm-hmm. I volunteered for this shit. 
and I would voluntarily take myself there three times a week. I feel like you look like I feel like you low key a sadist. Like hearing you say this, I'm like, you love torture. <laughs> you love torture. You got some kink in you. That's what I'm I, hearing. <laughs> I really at the time, you know what it was? I really just fucked with the the stories. I was like, man, these stories are kind of cool. And I like that, like, you know, there's all these like lessons and shit that come out of them. It felt I just liked the reading. But then we would go to these these Bible study classes and the lady who taught like the youth group Bible study classes one day showed a video where they were sort of like explaining all the the Satanism in in contemporary music that they were telling you why every artist that you enjoy is secretly worshiping the devil. And then at one point it got to uh, John Lennon's Imagine and they were telling me how uh, that song specifically was him equating himself to God. But they're playing the song and I'm listening to the lyrics and it didn't feel like that. It felt like a dude basically being like, what if we treated everybody like they might be God and therefore respected them and cared for them and blah, 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 blah. And I, I argued with the lady and was like, no, nah, I think there's actually a different way to interpret this. And she was like, no that sin, you're going to hell if you believe in it, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, I can't be yeah, here no listen, more. Listen, and that's like, that's what really got me annoyed because I remember them like telling kids like we going to hell. And I was like, yo, nigga, I just got here. <laughs> How, why are you telling me I'm going to, I just got here. Like, I didn't even like circle the sun that many times yet. Like, what are you right. talking about? And they would be like, they would just, it was just like, to me, I just never understood the fear aspect of it, right? And mm -hmm. so if you say this God is great, this God is all-knowing, omnipotent, the Alpha and Omega, and he created us in his image, then why is he making us suffer through so much? Why do I mm -hmm. have to, like, praise some, praise and worship? And, like, what, like, that means it's like a, like, it feels like a sycophantic relationship. You know what I'm saying? So, like, right. it don't feel like love and joy. It feels like control, manipulation, and fear. And, you know, I have a very controversial take about, you know, p the black church. And I feel like when it comes to African-Americans and our experience with the black church, it was used to manipulate us. And so I don't understand how, you know, we are so. And that's also why I think black Jesus came to be. Right. So mm -hmm. that's also how we separate it. So, you know, you know, like this is a bad analogy, but I, I already brought it up. So I got to go with it. Hey, I'm you know excited when, to see this go badly. Let's do it. This is going to go so bad. I might cancel. <laughs> <laughs> do you know how like when they say like a person experiences trauma like if a young kid is raped or anything like that they split their mind off like they yeah. disassociate themselves right and so i think that black jesus is black americans way of disassociate themselves from the jesus that was used by the slavery times to oppress manipulate and right. deteriorate us as individuals so that's i think is another reason why we cling to black jesus because it's like We've given so much to Jesus and that kind of isn't been panning out. But we, if we give it to black Jesus, then maybe we'll have a shot. And right. so it's like this is so so knowing all of that to me is just like, yeah, but if if it was all the way real, we wouldn't have to do all of that. We would just be blessed, you know, and it's like, why do yeah. I have to appease this thing that I can't see? Like, where's the love in that? Like, where's the love in somebody waiting? But like, you didn't pray enough. Or you didn't worship enough or you didn't give enough tithes and that like, where's the unconditional love in that? And so that's one thing. And the other thing I feel like when it comes to black Americans and, and Jesus is that Christianity as the remnants of slavery time was used to teach us as a coping mechanism that our life on this plane will always be shitty. Mm -hmm. for various reasons, which was really white supremacy, ownership, manipulation, kidnapping, genocide, rape, all of that shit. Like, that's the reason why our lives are shitty and on earth. And instead of us being like, well, we can just not make it shitty, we'll say, well, we'll suffer because on the other side, aka when we fucking die, that's yeah, when we're yeah. going to get our pie in the sky and our road to redemption. And it's like, that is, to me, I realized that was a part of the conditioning of enslavement on mm -hmm. black people in order for us to remain subservient which is yes we're gonna beat you rape you kill you sell your kids off but if you keep praying 
the next time you wake up, it'll be someplace better. And that's that's to me, I'm like, this shit is conditioning. And that's yeah. also why I really fell out. It, 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 I, what do communists say? I think it's it's that religion is the opioid of the masses. That like it is mm-hmm. it is truly a a to your point, it is a form of manipulation. Whether true or not, it is constantly manipulated for control. So you have all these preachers who are able to read a book that objectively we should be able to just look at as, like you said, allegories, lessons, moral, a moral code to set for us, and then add their own interpretations to the thing to get people to do a bunch of bullshit or or give more money or service their intentions in a different kind of way. And that's a mm-hmm. dangerous fucking thing. Right. Like at the end of the day, we should just be able to look at these things as stories and be like, hell, yeah, I rock with this story or hell, yeah, this made me think about things differently. But we shouldn't be sitting here going like, I, I, I got to get punched in the face forever and always at the the possibility that maybe there's a cool black dude up in the sky who's like, you did it. You did it, Playboy. Maybe. You get to chill. Maybe not, though. Like, like that's why I think I like to live my life right down the middle, right? It's like, I, I do enough. <laughs> I do, I'm serious. I do enough shitty sh- shit on the side, and I yeah. do a, plenty of amazing things. I'm right down the middle. So, you know, it's a toss-up. Like, if there's a God or a Jesus or some pearly gay, I'm like, it's on y'all. I, I'm, I'm 50-50. Damn. Let me, let me ask you this before we go to the break, because I do think this is important. And I wonder... So you're saying you're not a particularly religious person anymore. You do you still believe there's there's a potential God up there? Or are you like, nah, there's nothing. I'm just gonna be no, a good person. No, no. Listen, first of all, I can't now. Let me tell you something. You tell me who's not trying to get canceled by her black mama? <laughs> this woman right here. And you know where I'm gonna say there's no God. No, that's not my that mama, if you're listening, or somebody tell I did not say that. You're good on church, Kermit. but there is a God and you still believe in all this stuff. Yes, I will. I do believe in all. I do believe in all the stuff, but not the stuff that makes my life miserable. Does that make Got sense? Got you. Yes. Okay. So this this actually brings me then to to my next question, which is when you close your eyes and you imagine God, because you're saying you do believe that Jesus is black. When you close your eyes and you imagine God, what kind of black Jesus are we talking about? Is he a a dark skin like Isaac Hayes looking Jesus, mm. or is he more Drizzy Drake looking Jesus? Where are we at with with definitely, Jesus? Definitely <laughs> not Drizzy Drake. Definitely not Drizzy Drake. I would say, you know, if you because if you just look at the people of that time, mm-hmm. right? They no one was lighter than the Ritz cracker. So <laughs> I think I think he would be he would be like on a scale of like. Flavor Flav to Elder Barge. He's probably like a Boris Kojo. Okay. All right. I think maybe around that complexion. Just a just a dark light skin. Just a just dark a... light skin. Yes. <laughs> a dark light skin. Does he have the long flowing hair as as he's been depicted? Pro- you know what? Listen, probably like curly hair, like a, you know, um, I mean like like DJ Khaled's son, Assad, like that. Oh. I, you know, I was thinking like a Corbin Blue. You remember him from? Uh, oh yeah, no, yeah, no. But if you look at people <laughs> from like Ethiopia, Somali, like you know, there's like a I part of, you. especially close up to the Mediterranean, they have like you know a nice curled texture, like full hair. So maybe something like that. Hell yeah! So you you've got an image of Jesus in your head when you close your eyes and pray. It's this this Boris Kojo with with uh, DJ Khaled's son hair looking dude uh, listening. Yeah, back. something like that. Yeah, that's. Beautiful. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to fuck Jesus, but I mean, nor should you. Looked, I think uh, he's a very no, old but, man. Yeah, cause, <laughs> no, because because like that description sounds like I'm out here fantasizing about a hot ass Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if if ever there was somebody to be horny for, it is Jesus. He's not technically supposed to have sex with you back. So it, if it makes you feel more committed to him, I think that's OK. I don't think Jesus would be mad about it. Yeah. I <laughs> love right, him. He loved me. He always with me. He don't never leave me. He always got my back. Uh, when you really think about it out of context, you be like, this sound a little weird. Yeah, nigga, you want to fuck Jesus, you weirdo. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more Chloe Hillier and more My Mama Told Me.
Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. And we are back like teenage girls when you say teenage how are we talking yeah we're back here with more chloe (laughs) more my mama told me you should have seen the look on her face ladies and gentlemen when she realized the the button i decided to press bringing us back into the subject of talking god in his blackness truly a fun one all right Let's dig into some of this research. I had over, and I don't know how much you you remember, because I do remember as a kid hearing people always reference scripture that specifically suggested that Jesus might be a black person. There's like mm-hmm. one specific scripture that always gets sort of referenced. And it turns out, at least in my research, that that scripture has been massively uh uh reworked in our retelling of of the scripture like it's yeah. never as sort of charming as people have presented it do you remember the specific like details of the scripture that people always bring up because it all Man, it lives in my listen, head you know niggas love to remix shit and uh-huh. by the time it got to me they was like yo he got an afro yep. his skin is like copper yes smooth like satin like we uh, we 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 did the marvin gay smooth operator remix on jesus we made him hip made him like ours yes so no one could really point to the scripture but we just was like you know he black right he you know when they say uh skin like this they were like that's us and we were like okay yeah, it was his skin was like copper and his hair was like wool. Wool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it it always was sort of at least suggested to me as like Jesus had like walked into the club and everybody turned and he was just glowing, handsome. And it was like, God damn, look at this beautiful Jesus with his wool hair and his copper skin and all that. And it turns out that the actual only physical reference made or any suggestion of of Jesus's appearance in the Bible is after he's dead, that like they don't ever really describe what he looks like until after he's dead. And it's in Revelations and they uh, 
in Revelations, the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing water. In his right hand he held seven stars coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. This is the description that we've sort of like reinterpreted over and over again. And that reference to wool and the bronze has zero to do with his actual complexion and hair texture. But that two things, we turned him into Billy D. Williams, like <laughs> legit. <laughs> That's number one, to make him ours. And the other part about that, it just goes to show, and this is when I was like, yeah, I can't really like give all my life to this um, energy. It just goes to show you how eager people are to take pieces of something to make it theirs to justify their devotion to it. Right. And so that's when I was just like, y'all making this, like, it just felt like Stockholm Syndrome. It just felt like y'all are trying to find the good to make it seem okay that you're doing this with your life. And it's just like, mm-hmm. just live. A hundred percent. And to that point, this is also something that I found pretty interesting is that the other references that they make to Jesus in the Bible basically talk about the fact that he wasn't a particularly handsome person. <laughs> like they, there are like a couple scriptures that be, Isaiah 53, 2 refers to Jesus as having no beauty that we should desire him. <laughs> That basically no one wanted to fuck Jesus for his face. They only wanted to fuck him for his personality. And then there's an additional scripture, Psalm 45, two to three, describes him as fairer than the children of men. So basically, which, you know, could be, I guess, left up to interpretation that he's more handsome than the children of men, or it could just be lighter than the children of men. It's not particularly clear. But either way, these are the only physical descriptions we have of Jesus, which means that we are all being pretty silly when we go like, Jesus look like me. Jesus look like this. Mm -hmm. It's like, dog, we truly don't know. This motherfucker might look like an alligator and we we have no way of knowing. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking because that description you just read about the white, the hair is white as wool and the feet is brown. His feet was Looked like they were in a furnace. I mean, his feet were on fire. Like, he could be a whole mutant. Like, we out yep. here praying to a whole X-Men, and we don't even know it. I did a joke with Yamanika. We were doing the Comedy Seller show, and we were talking about aliens. And I was like, yo, Jesus is an alien. And she cussed me and prayed for me and said, don't you dare call my Jesus. And I said, look at the origin story. He come out of nowhere. His mother was artificially inseminated by an angel. He disappears for like 30 something years. He, you know, he fucking yep. disappears after. He, like he could be, he could be an alien. Just, I'm just saying, could it, be an listen, alien. I think that that's, that honestly is more logical to me than. That makes than, so much more sense to me. I'm like, oh, now I get why we praying to this nigga. We want him to come back. Come back, alien. Yeah, I get that. It, it also makes more sense than him being like a member of every race on this planet. Do you know what I mean? That like yeah. Chinese in China, if you go to China, they have Chinese Jesus. If you go to, yeah. to fucking Ethiopia, they have Ethiopian Jesus. If you go to Antarctica, Jesus is three penguins stacked on top of each other, <laughs> pretending to be a man. It's it's all what we've decided he is. And more logically, this motherfucker might just be an alien who can shapeshift and disappear for a bunch of years. Yo, that makes so much sense to me. Listen, that's why Stargate is one of my favorite movies. People think it was like, oh, it's corny. It was a dud. And I was like, no, they was like low-key dropping like great hypotheticals. Like what if the pyramids were portals to other worlds? Like I Mm -hmm. love Stargate. And so I just think it's so much, I think it's so much cooler living a life realizing that there's other things greater than yourself and that there's never one definitive way. And I think that life is about choices. And that's what this experience and this journey of our infinite being in this universe is. It's for us to come here, experience shit, learn shit, feel shit, see if you can fucking get it right. And if you don't get it right, you come back. And if you get it right, you go to the next fucking stop on this journey. Right. Yeah, I I like that, that that this isn't uh, as much of a punitive thing as I think it sort of is being presented, but just a thing where it's like, yo, be a, a decent person. And if this guy's as cool as we say he is, he's going to kind of just see that and not punish you because you didn't, you know, count beads yeah. on a necklace or whatever it is. Like, come on, God, why are you giving me titties if you don't want them getting sucked? 
You Come know? on. And listen, <laughs> listen, I couldn't have said that better myself. I truly, the poetry that just came out of your mouth. <laughs> if I could, if I could make that the title of this episode, I would. <laughs> I tried to, I'm mad I broke at the end. I was so close to sticking it out, but. <laughs> so one of the things that that sort of is interesting in all of these these depictions that are made of Jesus and be sort of made complicated with the tracing of of Jesus is also the tracing of colonization. You talked about this er- earlier. Colonization and missionary work, meaning like a country oh. that was at some point overtaken and or ruled by white people is more likely to worship a white Jesus, right? That like if you if your country was dominated by white people much in the way that America is, white Jesus becomes the standard. Whereas if you go to countries where white people have not been the dominant force or are no longer the dominant force, Jesus looks like them. And it's mm-hmm. it's largely just interpretation, not actual documentation of a real person. Yeah. One of the things that I found particularly interesting is the sort of like resurgence of this argument of black Jesus. And fascinating enough, the actual, the most recent resurgence and the one that sort of like reached the the biggest argument came from Invisible Inc. black activist Sean King. Sean King in 2020. um, (laughs) Come on now. I know you're a big fan of Sean King, so Uh. I won't say anything to besmirch his name. But in 2020, Sean King tweeted, the statues of the white European they claim is Jesus should also come down. They are a form of white supremacy. Tear them down and tear down all the murals and stained glass windows of white Jesus and his European mother and their white friends. Your thoughts? (laughs) You know what? Let me tell you something. This is the problem with people like Sean King, right? Yes. It's because they talk so much noise, right? And for all the things that they do wrong, right, they still are in a position to give light to situations and conversations that we really should have. So it is legit a double-edged sword. That's yes. that's my stake on Sean King. So with that being said, I understand his argument, but I also believe that the imagery at this point is the least of our problems. And Mm. I think that the imagery of a black Jesus is a bit different than the imagery of motherfuckers who literally own slaves being up in the middle of a town square. Um, I think one of those things has applied hurt and harm to us in a way that's very tangible. And the other is a figment of a religious whatever, you know, that is not Jesus is not shooting us in the back seven times when they come to a 911 call. So Sean, pick something else, nigga, please. <laughs> He's going to be so happy you called him nigga. I know. Uh, I'm also mad. I'm mad. I was like, damn, why did I say nigga? I am not. I don't mean. Hold on. Let me just. <clears throat> um, I, Chloe Hillier, did not mean nigga in a way that in any shape or form insinuated that Sean King is indeed a nigga. It is more colloquial as though it is mainstream at this point with the A at the end. Thank you. <laughs> Forgive me. That said, I I 100% agree with you. I do think that we've reached this weird point in society where we're spending so much time nitpicking representation and, and sort of like the rules and how many we should have that we're starting to work backwards against progress. Like, I don't need a Black friend in fucking uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, like, mm-hmm. Black people don't fuck with witchcraft like that. We wouldn't just kick it with some weird girl who has magic powers. Don't create representation where representation shouldn't actually exist. Leave that as a white space. And so, in the case of Jesus, because it is never, to your point, never he, the figure, has never done anything negative to Black people. It's only white people's interpretation of his, his position that's done bad things to black people i ain't really tripping off of his representation now Mm -hmm. is it cool to have a black jesus absolutely i like having black people wherever i can get them but at the same time that ain't some shit i'm willing to fight over i too i'd much rather fight over changing the laws and the systems at hand rather than dealing in like the color of the very nice man who gives everybody fish 
Yeah, ain't nobody worrying about him. Ain't nobody worried about him. That's that's see, that's also why I'm like, y'all give this way too much energy. Y'all give this way too much energy. It's too much. And is it and you could be living your life and doing other things, learning things, making mistakes, like growing. It's mm-hmm. too much other stuff you could be doing other than sitting here praying about a rapture. It's like, yeah, are we, we you bound to die? Yes. Whether you die of a rapture, <laughs> you die of a motherfucking choking on an olive, bitch. We all gonna die. Like, so what? You get burnt up and you don't get to die in your sleep. So what? You still dead. Like, mm-hmm. and nobody talks about how painful it is to die. You know why? Because they're dead. <laughs> that shit might not even hurt like that. Like, it, it might, might not good. even hurt. No. You might, it might legit, like, you might feel the first thing and your body go into shock and then you just gone. Like, you're not, come yeah. on now. Torture is different, but even then, like if you get tortured and you die, you might uh, your body. I feel like your brain will shut down and be like, "Okay, this is too much," and then yes. like, then you just you know get torn to limbs. But like, we all gonna die. I don't know. I just can't live my life in fear. So one of the things that I learned about in sort of unpacking some of this stuff, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Have you ever heard of the Shroud of Turin? No, but you refresh my memory. Okay, the Shroud, there's no reason you should know this, but apparently uh, the Shroud of Turin is this piece of linen cloth that was discovered in 1354, all the way back in 1354. And it's believed, or well, some people believe and argue that this is the cloth that Jesus was wrapped in when he was placed in his tomb. And that cloth that they found still apparently, yes, carries the imprint of his face Mm -hmm. on the cloth. Now, yeah, I heard about that. When I look up the Shroud of Turin and you look up this cloth, it's look if if and some people claim that this is a complete false that like the people back in 1354 were trolling much as we would today. But those who believe it, if you look at the Shroud of Turin, there's very little argument that this imprint is that of a white man. It does oh, not man. look in any way like a white person. It looks honestly more like uh, Luis Guzman rather than like Jared Leto. You know what I mean? It's just, it looks like a a, a Puerto Rican man at best yeah. is imprinted on this fucking shroud. You know what? I, and stories like that, like that's the thing that people cling on to. I remember, you know, remember a current affair and every like once a month, there was always a story about Jesus and a potato chip, Jesus and toast. Yeah. One finds a, a, a baby carrot that looks like Jesus. And it's just like when it, and that was mainstream. So that, so that was like how fanatical people were about the imagery and the mysticism of Jesus. That was like every news that was basic everyday news. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. They don't do that anymore. But there was a time in America where, like, everybody was, like, Christian for real. And so it was okay <laughs> to just, like, talk about this goofy shit in public and not look nuts. Like, baked yeah. potato look like Jesus. Like, get now you hear it and be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, go, go home, watch stupid. a movie. Get vaccinated, <laughs> you asshole. We, we know what this is, this game yeah. you're playing. Like, y'all was talking like this and y'all wasn't smoking weed. Like, y'all was bored. (laughs) Y'all was bored. So one of the other things that sort of, like, uh, emerged and made it very clear, and this goes back to our conversation about how plain the Bible describes him, but if the Shroud of Turin is, in fact, true, one of the other things that you can uh, sort of, like, immediately pull from this is just how old and ugly Jesus looked for a 33-year-old. That if this man was meant to be 33, he did not age well. He has aged badly, and he was not a good-looking man in the slightest. Now, if Jesus is an alien, what if when he disappeared, because you know in the Bible, Jesus, like, dipped out as a kid, and we don't hear about him until he's, like, grown, right? Yes. Like, what if, like, what if Jesus, that was not his physical body, what if he, like, went into the jungle somewhere or whatever, the Sahara, and got mm-hmm. roughed up a couple times. And maybe he was a body hopper. Maybe the body that, that came back as Jesus, and as the, you know, the grown man Jesus was like somebody, like a shepherd's body that the alien Jesus jumped into. Now, you hear uh, how crazy that sounds? Well, it, it sounds like uh, the men in black scenario where exactly that, that roach was inside of that man. And that would explain why he looked so puffy and worn. That would definitely Listen. explain why he he looked in he, uh, almost like a, a rodent level ugly but in see, this shroud. That's, that's the thing for me. It's like 
if you if you want me to believe your part, you got to be open to believing my part, too. And they don't want to be <laughs> believing my part. <laughs> I'm like, yo, if he could turn water into wine, he could be an alien. No, he can't. Who the fuck turns water into wine then? I don't and if, listen. And if he wasn't an alien, where's our miracles? Yo, they was having miracles every other Tuesday in the Bible. Where's yeah. our miracle? I ain't seen a burning bush. No angel come talk to me. You know what nah. I'm saying? You know how many times I risk my life? No motherfucking omen come and save my ass. <laughs> where's our miracle at? Yeah, they can, can they can make these miracles more contemporary. They don't have to be the same as what they went through. It could be like a cool dude on a skateboard being like, Hey, you know you can get three wishes later or whatever. I don't know how it works. Man, but you know what a miracle is? <laughs> Fucking finding twenty dollars in our pocket. Be like, it's a miracle. That's right. our miracle. Sure. And if we wrote it down, we could too be like Luke and Paul and the rest of the the gang. Yo, do you know how crazy that Bible would sound? Like three thousand years from now, people being like, Tuesday I woke up to seven hundred new followers. It was a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> it was a miracle. Jesus did that. Oh, this is fun. So there is a book that came out in 2018 by this lady named Joan Taylor, an archaeologist. And the book is named What Did Jesus Look Like? And this is exciting because she she basically studied all these archaeological remains of Jews from thousands of years ago, historical texts and ancient Egyptian funerary art to conclude that most people in Judea and Egypt around that time had brown eyes, dark brown to black hair and olive skin, and in all likelihood, based on all of this sort of collection of data and information, Jesus was about five foot five, the average man's height at the time, and as as we've already discovered, very, very plain looking. Mm. So they pretty much did the work to figure out that he he probably looked a lot more like a Middle Eastern dude of yeah. today more than a, a random black dude or white person for that matter. But that's but that goes to show you how powerful white supremacy is, right? Because they're saying fuck science, fuck genetics, fuck yes. archaeology, fuck everybody that lives in this area. They, we gonna say a white alabaster snow ass nigga lived during this time. He ain't even get he's so he's so holy he didn't even get a suntan. That sounds <laughs> crazy to me. And we're like, yup, yup, he's white as snow. Yup, he is. He's white as snow. And it's just like, it's, you know, I believe, I do truly believe that there was a time in mankind civilization where religion was pure, right? Mm -hmm. Where you, and, and those are, those I feel like are the more indigenous face, right? They're more closely connected to Mother Earth and the world and animals, you know, like they give a fuck about everything. And then somewhere along the line, religion became a tool of manipulation and power and control. And I think it's been perverted for so long that there's no parts of it right now in this version that we're being sold that feels true to me. It doesn't feel like it protects me. It doesn't feel like it gives a fuck about me. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like it wants me to suffer for a greater thing. And the greater thing is something that I can't even fathom in my life and my mind. And so it just feels like a lot of like gaslighting, essentially. I know I hate that term because it's so overused, but yeah. it feels like you got to suffer, especially being a black person, you got to suffer even more. And it's just like, I remember being young, being like, what do black people do? Why are we so fucking cursed? Like, why do we have the word? Like, if we pray to God, like, how you know how much black people pray and and we ain't been saved yet? I ain't getting no forty acres. I ain't getting no mule. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I still got to pay taxes. I, I mean, I'm <laughs> black. I'm praying every day. My grandmama pray every day. You know how much we pray? So I feel like, yo, know, either there's nothing there or black people or the suffering of black people or just people in general praying to God is just the fucking battery juice going to this nigga's back because something ain't adding up. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love what you're saying in part because I think that it it really just speaks to intention that like we have distracted ourselves from the fact that and this is worth saying I maybe everybody knows this maybe some listeners don't Jesus absolutely existed this isn't the question isn't whether or not a human being by the name, I guess, Jesus Christ. He probably wasn't named Christ at the time. He probably yeah. was named something else. But the guy that we understand to be Jesus did exist in history, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he is everything that we've made him into to, to being. And mm -hmm. so 
that all comes with intention. The Bible, as we understand it, started as an oral history. People just said stuff out loud. They would tell each other stories over and over again. And then at some point, one asshole was like, I should write that down. And then that person who wrote it down decided to write down the parts that he liked, he or she liked, and then skip over the parts that they didn't care for as much. And then as it got recurated and repassed down and sort of like taken over by new powerful people, new versions of that passing changed the interpretations of all of these things so that this sort of stubby, abless Mexican man turns into fucking, you know, Matthew McConaughey 2,000 years later. And yeah, it's, it's a weird Jesus transition. To Jesus. Yeah, right. <laughs> we, we just aren't being honest about what any of this stuff is, is, and there's no way for us to be honest. So to your point, we should really just embrace the lesson and ignore the bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. But you it's hard to do that because that means that you would say that people are autonomous and you can't mm-hmm. control people if they're autonomous. And so that's the manipulation in it all that I, I can't associate with. Yeah, I get that. All right. We I think we did it. I think we fucked we fucked around and uh and fixed black Jesus or at least Made it more messy. I don't know what happened, but we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more Chloe Hilliard and more My Mama Told Me. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. And we are back. Yeah, we're back here with more Chloe Hillier. More my mama told me. That was a clip from Dr. Phil where a white boy smacked his mom in the face. And they want me to believe that that boy is a descendant of God. Nope, not in my house. Anyway, we're still talking about whether or not Jesus is black. And it turns out he's probably uh, some sort of brown that uh, has nothing to do with black or white people. But he's a nice guy. Historically, uh, we can agree on that. Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, I want to play a game. This is a a fun game, a classic game on this show. One of our oldest games, our literal oldest game. It's a game called White White Lies. Lies. Ugly, you are disgusting. I'm going to kill you. Give me $200. White Lies. It's a fun game where, Chloe, I am going to introduce to you a white conspiracy theory, a widely held white conspiracy theory. And what I would love for you to do is just unpack why you think white people tend to hold on to this conspiracy theory. What do you think is so important to them inside of this thing? What are these sneaky motherfuckers up to? You know what I'm saying? I do. I do. Hell yeah. All right. So this is a fun one that I had not heard before, but I'm excited that it exists. There have been countless sightings of a Loch Ness-like monster and in a lake called Flathead Lake in Montana. Apparently in Montana, there are a number of, I have to assume they're white people because I don't know that black people are allowed in Montana, but A number of white people are claiming that there is a Loch Ness monster, a 30 to 40 foot long creature in Flathead Lake. And what I would love for you to do, Chloe, is tell me why you think white people are so uh, eager to hold on to this this fake Loch Ness monster. Yeah. So part of it is, I believe when it comes to these stories of like mythical creatures, it's like one, it started with boredom, right? Because there was nothing going on. People Mm got to understand that people lived for longer, like, people have lived without social media, television, phones, newspapers, magazines, books. Like, people lived way longer like that than have not. And so when you have nothing going on but except waking up and going to work or going to school and coming home and doing that shit over with no fucking breaks other than, like, a county fair or a motherfucking (laughs) hog tie or a fucking hatchet throwing kind, whatever cornhole bullshit they was doing out there. You make up shit, right? And Mm -hmm. so one day somebody probably saw something that looked a little funny style. Maybe it was an animal they've never seen before because they don't got the internet. They don't know what every animal looked like. And then it becomes this folklore thing. And then it becomes this pride thing that they turn into a mascot for capitalism because it's like come here stay at this hotel see the thing that we have here and it becomes commerce right and so i think that is the problem with mankind in general it's like something starts off as a genuine thought or a misconception and then it turns into like this larger than life thing that generates income and profit for somebody and so i think a lot of times they don't want to let that shit go because it gives them something to brag about because what you gonna brag about in Montana is nothing to do in Montana. <laughs> so that's how they differentiate themselves from the other town. We got the Loch Ness monster. We got the monster Loch Ness. Like they just be making shit up because yeah. they bored, and then it becomes business. I love what you're saying about the the business aspect of this because there is probably an element of this that did come from a a sweet place and maybe sweet's the wrong word, but just a, an honest place where a bunch of idiots who, like you said, were bored as fuck, were looking at a lake and they're like, damn, what if there's a monster in there? And they started to tell some people and other people started to tell some people and it was a fun little game. And then some sick fuck saw that happening and was like, hey, if we build a hotel next to this lake while all these people are talking, suddenly we can make this into something profitable that truly shouldn't be profitable it should just be fun local stupidity and and we always muck things up with our own want for for wealth and investment rather than just genuine joy yeah have you ever been to roswell new mexico i have oh shit was it and fun? that shit is sad. No, nigga, everybody got a fucking green ass alien in front of their store. It could be a fucking <laughs> cat cat shop. Everybody got a fucking alien up just because they know that's what the people are there for. Right. Can you imagine like having to put your hard work, your business plan, going and getting a loan, open up a storefront for an ice cream shop or motherfucking restaurant, and you put, you got to put a fucking green alien out front so yeah. the niggas that want to see aliens be like, oh, they like aliens too. Let's go eat. I would shoot myself in the face. And you got to, I, that is fucked up. And even more fucked up is at that point, you have to believe the aliens aren't, they're seeing this and they're like, well, I'm not going back. These motherfuckers are, they're making it weird. Like we were, we were just hanging out, but now you're making it fucking hot. Yo, right? Like this was supposed to be a secret. I told you don't tell nobody. It's like, (laughs) 
It's like when you sleep with that one person, like, yo, we're going to keep this between us, right? Like, you know, I'm really private. I don't want people in my yeah, business. Yeah. You're like, all right, I got you. Next thing you know, so I heard you was fucking so You're like, yeah, yeah. damn. And now her and her friends made made you the wallpaper on their Twitter. It's like, yo, chill, bro. Like, yeah, you got a nickname and shit. They calling me alien. <laughs> yo, I went to Earth one time. This nigga called me alien. Now, disrespect to me. You know my I name. I was just, I was just kicking it. I met a lady. She was cool. Let's move on. That's it. Damn. I just want to probe your butt once or twice, and it was gonna be cool. <laughs> But no, you had to tell everybody. Now they looking for me writing movies. Uh, they don't know my life. They don't know my story. I, there is something really fascinating, too, of like, what if aliens don't even like probing butts like that? Maybe it was just a thing they tried one time, and now everybody keeps trying to make it their thing. And it's like, no, nah, I was just experimenting. Listen, I, I feel sorry for the first aliens that came here because they picked the wrong specimen. They was picking up all the white people of middle America and them niggas are uninteresting. And now mm-hmm. niggas is like, where the aliens at? And they like, yo, we tried y'all. I was like, no, we different though. Yeah. You ain't tried a <laughs> special sauce. We got the special sauce. Right. It's like if you go to the zoo and then you stop at the squirrel exhibit. It's like, nah, you got to keep nah. going because nah, there's, there's a some gorilla cooler back shit here. in here. Yeah. There's a whole gorilla back here. Silverback. <laughs> Silverback. Well, Chloe, I think we did it. This is this is a fun episode. Could you tell the people at home where they can find you and what cool shit you have going on? Absolutely. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Both are at Chloe underscore Hilliard, because I like white space yeah. underscore Hilliard. And if you want to know more about me, you can go to ChloeHilliard.com. I have a book out called Fuck Your Diet. Um, I'm a television writer, producer, comedian. So you'll probably see some things that I'm working on in the future. And thank you for having me, Langston. It was so good to have a a fun, adult, high conspiracy theory conversation with someone. (laughs) This was one of our least toxic episodes. So I'm glad that... uh, that, Really? Yeah, you know, we... I get some real was sick oh fucks my God, on this. That makes me feel like I was boring. Oh, no, no, no. no. Was this I was boring? This was fun and healthy. This was like when you find <laughs> out that uh, carrot sticks can go in hummus. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we're doing, yeah. we're doing great stuff here. But please follow Chloe. Do all the cool things that you're supposed to do to keep up with her. And then you can follow me at Langston Kerman. And please send us any conspiracy theories you have, any drops you want to send, all the bullshit. You can send it to mymamapod at gmail.com. Otherwise, that's it. Bye, bitch. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l e e s a dot com slash slash iHeart.